Welcome to the Powers on Sports Podcast, Episode 2. I'm your host, Jason Powers, here based out of Tampa, Florida. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. We're going to talk some hot-button issues in the NFL, kicking issues. If you watched in the NFL in week two, lots and lots of kicking issues. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about officiating in the NFL and college. Lots of scrutiny on the roughing the passers incidents. There was a humongous call in the Green Bay-Minnesota game that basically turned that whole tide of that game around. We're going to talk NFL surprises, both good and bad. Patrick Mahomes. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a.k.a. Fitzmagic, down in Tampa, taking over for Jameis Winston, playing great football. The disarray in Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown is starting to become a little bit of an issue. Le'Veon Bell still holding out. Is Mike Tomlin too loose of a head coach? Can they right the ship with a huge game Monday night coming to Tampa? Pittsburgh is winless through two games, 0-1-1. We're also going to talk about the Giants and the Seahawks, two teams that were supposed to be fairly competitive and, and possible contenders in the NFC, and both have got off to terrible starts. Offensive line issues for both teams as the Giants got beat by the Cowboys in pretty bad fa- fashion on Sunday night, and then the Seahawks went to Chicago Monday night and got hammered pretty good by the Bears and Khalil Mack. What an impact he's had through two weeks of the football season with the trade from the Raiders. How much are the Raiders regretting trading Khalil Mack? Well, apparently John Gruden is not at all concerned about that. He seems to be uh, okay with it. Two number one picks. As the Raiders get off to a disappointing 0-2 start, as they blow a game in mile high late, as the Broncos kick a late field goal to beat the Raiders to send them to 0-2. The Florida teams, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all three of those teams off to 2-0 starts. Probably everybody thought Jacksonville would get off to a 2-0 start, but if you watch them play, they beat New England very convincingly in Jacksonville. The Buccaneers and the Dolphins are kind of the surprise teams getting off to those 2-0 starts. Nobody had the Buccaneers at 2-0 after having to go to New Orleans and hosting the world champion Philadelphia Eagles. And the Dolphins, 2-0, after they went to the Meadowlands and took care of the New York Jets. And by the way, can we take Sam Darnold out of the Hall of Fame, please? You know, everybody was, oh, Sam Darnold's the greatest thing since Joe Namath and blah, 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 blah. But come on. Sam Darnold, let's take him out of the Hall of Fame, please. Josh Gordon, big trade from the Cleveland Browns to guess who? The New England Patriots. The rich just get richer, potentially. Obviously, Josh Gordon has had many, many off-the-field issues with the weed. He seems to have had a relapse here lately. Apparently, there was an alleged hamstring injury that he suffered in a promotional shoot, which was masking the fact that he apparently showed up late to the facility on Saturday Uh, was quickly deactivated by Cleveland and told he was going to be released, which I can't blame Cleveland. Cleveland's given him many, many opportunities to get his life straightened around. They've sent him to rehab multiple times. They've stuck with him through his suspensions over the last three to four years. 
and it probably is time for Josh to have a, a new scenery. And of course, who comes in and swoops him up for for a garbage fifth round draft pick? None other than Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Those of you guys that have followed Belichick over the years, if you recall, eight or ten years ago, the Patriots during their perfect season run, guess who they acquired right before the season started in training camp for a fourth-round pick? Another disgruntled player who has who is now a Hall of Famer, who had some off-the-field issues, some marijuana issues, that kind of stuff, one Randy Moss. And if you remember what Randy Moss and Tom Brady did, they set the league on fire. I think Moss had 20-plus touchdowns in that year. I believe that was 2007. And the rest is history until they got dethroned by the Giants in the Super Bowl to dethrone the undefeated season. But if Josh Gordon can get his act together, obviously learn the playbook in New England, and be accountable and be on time and all that good stuff. He's definitely a all-pro threat type of receiver, and he'll fit in beautifully with Gronkowski, Brady, Julian Edelman, and Belichick. And if he doesn't, Belichick will cut him like a as as, as quick as he can blink his eyes. One thing you got to respect about Belichick, he's he doesn't put up with nonsense. And if Josh Gordon comes in there and is lackadaisical or lazy or whatever the issue is, he won't be there long because that's not how they do it in New England. One thing, like I said, whether you love or hate the Patriots, you have to respect the accountability that's demanded out of every single player on that team, whether you're the kicker, you're the middle linebacker, or you're the quarterback. Interesting, a book came out this week concerning the Patriots. We'll talk a little bit about that about the relationship between Brady and Belichick. We're also going to talk some college football. The dominance of Alabama. Alabama went to Ole Miss, gave up a 75-yard touchdown in the first play of the game, and scored 62 straight points, 162-7. Can anybody take down Alabama? Florida State. Wow, what a disaster that is brewing there in Tallahassee with one Willie Taggart. Went to Syracuse and got dismantled 30 to 7. We're also going to talk about a, you know, we had a great game last week on the Plains, LSU Auburn, Ohio State with a, with a statement victory versus TCU, and Wisconsin upset. We're going to make some pit predictions on the up week three NFL games and week four college football games, some of the big games on the slate. And we're also going to talk just a little bit of fantasy. So, That's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a tweet. We'd love to talk about whatever you want to talk about, your comments about the show, about what we're talking about, things you'd like to hear us talk about, whatever you'd like to do. You can email us at sportspowers at yahoo.com, sportspowers at yahoo.com, or you can tweet us at kickthefb short for football, at kick the FB. So let's hear from you. A little recap of my week. Last Friday night I had officiated a high school game here in Tampa and had a great ball game. Game was decided in the last minute of the game. Unfortunately, the losing team fumbled on the two-yard line going in for a touchdown to tie the game. So we had a, uh, a very defensive ball game. Score was 14-7. 
but a very good ball game between two pretty competitive teams. And we had a, you know, a very dramatic finish with a late fumble inside the two, inside the two yard line that turned into a touchback. So that was uh, my high school game last week. Want to say, want to give a shout out to my dad. His birthday was this last Tuesday, the 18th. My birthday was last Saturday, the 15th. So we had a good weekend celebration, nice dinner, exchange some gifts and all that good stuff. So want to again wish happy birthday to my dad, Richard Powers. Happy 73rd. Big win for my Bucks on Sunday. Big ups, not a big upset, but an upset of the world champion Eagles. Ryan Fitzmagic, another tremendous outing. Four more touchdowns, player of the week. Basically, the the, the sentiment is he's going to be the quarterback down here, even when Jameis Winston's suspension is over here after week three. There's no way, no way Fitzpatrick is coming out of the lineup. It's going to take at least two poor performances out of him for there to even be a discussion at this point. So it'll be interesting to see how this uh, quarterback situation continues to play out and if, if Fitzpatrick can continue to play well. But after two weeks, they've been probably the most electrifying uh, offense the Bucks have ever seen for sure and one of the top two or three offenses in the league. So again, my Bucks off to a tremendous 2-0 start with a Monday nighter coming up uh, here at Ray J. This is coming up Monday with the Steelers coming to town. So we're gonna we'll talk about more of that as we move along. So again, love to hear from you at Kick the FB or SportsPowers at Yahoo.com. Give us a call. Let's hear your comments on social media. Well, let's get to the NFL. Two major topics we want to talk about that were major impacts in games in week two in the NFL. The officiating. You know, we all talk we all talk about officiating like we know what we're doing, but this year the NFL has really taken some shots and some hits here both through the preseason and early in the regular season on these roughing the quarterback uh, calls as well as these, some of these helmet-to-helmet uh, penalty situations. If you were watching the Green Bay-Minnesota game, there was a late in the game. Green Bay was up eight points with under two minutes to go. Kirk Cousins throws an interception, which would end the game to Green Bay. And on the throw, Clay Matthews wraps up Kirk Cousins in a perfect form tackle and takes him to the ground. Well, the referee throws the flag for, for claiming he drove him into the ground. Personal foul. Keeps the drive alive. Cousins goes down the field, scores a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Both teams miss field goals, both in, at the end of regulation and overtime. And the game ends in a tie. So lots and lots of issues with, with what the defenders can and can't do. You're hearing lots and lots of griping and, and moaning and groaning from the defensive linemen and linebackers who are, you know, who are sacking quarterbacks. They just don't know what to do, and I kind of agree with them. You know, if you watch some of these calls, some of these calls are just, you know, they're just, they're just hard to take. And I'm an official, so I, I defend the officials as much as I humanly can. But this, this situation, the Green Bay Clay Matthews tackle, there was, there's zero chance to me that that's a roughing the passer situation. Um, so there's just it's just something the NFL got these NFL refs have got to get a handle on that and just have have a little bit more context as far as time and situation and and all that. I'm all about protecting players and the quarterbacks, but you got to let these defensive players 
when, especially when they do it the right way, you can't penalize them when they're doing when they're tackling and sacking the quarterbacks the right way. There was a very vicious hit, and, they did, and the referees did a great job of ejecting this guy in the Carolina Atlanta game. Uh, a safety for Atlanta, very much of a cheap shot on Cam Newton. Uh, when Newton was sliding on a quarterback run, he was sliding feet first, and the and the and the, and the uh, safety came in head first, and basically helmet to helmet into Cam Newton. Very egregious, very dirty. Should have been ejected, and he was. So that was a good that was good to see. There was a very egregious holding call in the, in the Detroit San Francisco game that was very controversial. Lots of people that Detroit ran, basically ran the interception back for a touchdown, but it, the, the touchdown was negated by a very dubious and suspect defensive holding call against Detroit, and the Lions fell to 0-2 with new coach Matt Patricia. So lots and lots of officiating. One of the things that, uh, you know, from an officiating perspective in the NFL the last several years is there's been a lot of turnover of officials. They've A lot of, our, a lot of the veteran officials have retired or, and or been replaced. Um, you know, some of the, the names we've all heard about over the years, Terry McCauley, Gene Steratore, Ed Hockley, those kind of guys, the referee position that we all see given the signals and calls every week. Those three guys are gone. Jeff Triplett, the venerable one who has plenty of his own issues, but Triplett's in the booth now with ESPN. So you have a lot of new officials. You got a lot of new referees. So it's, it's you know, there's a learning curve to some degree, but some of this stuff they've just got to, They've just got to do better and, and, and enforce it and officiate it better. Uh, most of these guys that they're hiring are, are ex-college officials, which which they're qualified, great officials. Um, but you have to, and I, and I know the NFL is mandating some of these uh, uh, hot button type penalty situations that they want the they want the officials to protect the quarterbacks because they want to see offense, they want to see the star players stay in the game, stay healthy, not be injured. You know, all that kind of good stuff. So, but bottom line is you got you got to do it the right way, and you can't make a mockery of the game. The other big topic of, of discussion in, after week two of the NFL has been the kicking situations around the league. There have been some disasters this week, this this last week, and throughout the season. I think I think I saw a stat where after week two, during week two, was the most field goals missed and extra points missed in about seven or eight years. Again, back to the Green Bay-Minnesota game. You had Daniel Carlson, kicker for Minnesota, rookie kicker from Auburn, missed three field goals. I mean, un, I mean, the last one being a 35-yarder in overtime and the last play of overtime, dead middle of the field. A kick, you got, if you're in the NFL, you got to make 90, 98 times out of 100. Uh, he, did, he missed it, missed the third kick, was subsequently cut the next day on – Monday or Tuesday, and Dan Bailey, ex of the Cowboys, was brought in, which I was shocked that the Cowboys released Dan Bailey. Dan Bailey is one of the top three or four percentage kickers in the history of the NFL as far as make percentage, and he's been had a tremendous career. Um, but so that's a good that's a good signing by Minnesota. You had Cleveland, you had a disaster in, in Cleveland where they were playing at New Orleans in the Superdome and. Their kicker, Zane Gonzalez, missed four kicks, missed three field goals and an extra point, and misses a misses an extra Cleveland converts on a fourth and ten in the last minute and a half of the game. Tyrod Taylor throws a 50-yard touchdown pass on fourth down to give to tie the game 
You assume Gonzalez is going to come in and make the extra point. He duck hooks it, TJ Hooker style, left. New Orleans goes down and kicks a field goal to go up three in the last 25 seconds. And Cleveland somehow gets in field goal position again in the last 25 seconds in order to tie the game. And once again, Zane Gonzalez goes Ric Flair off to the right. Last play of regulation. Cleveland wins, loses 21-18. This Cleveland team is just figures out a way to lose every week. I am not a huge Jackson fan. I think it's I'm, I'll, I, I will be shocked if he makes it through the entire year. Um, he's just not a head coach, in my opinion. He's, a, he's an offensive coordinator. Um, not a head coach. Not the kind of guy you want building your program. John, they got a new GM in Cleveland, uh, John Dorsey. They've got head coaching guys that could that could take over for Hugh Jackson if they made a move. They got Todd Haley. They got Greg Williams on the staff. So it would not shock me one bit if uh, Hugh Jackson does not make it through the season. And at this point, in my opinion, you got to play Baker Mayfield, Tyrod Taylor. Good backup, but the guy's just not a guy that's going to take you anywhere long term. Put the put the young guy in. Let's see what he can do. The Cle- Cleveland's offensive line is not terrible, and, he, and Mayfield was pretty fairly competent in the preseason. There's no reason not to give him uh, some opportunity to play. They do play Thursday night football against the Jets, which uh, will probably could be uh, Tyrod Taylor's last game. I, it would not shock me if after if they were to lose tomorrow night, that with <clears throat> with the extra three or four days to get ready for Week Four that you saw Baker Mayfield make his debut. So kickers being released. Zane Gonzalez was released from Cleveland. Lots and lots of kicking issues. Down in Tampa, they've, they've had some inconsistent kicking. All over the league, it's just been inconsistent kicking. And it's in, in my opinion, I've coached kickers at the high school and college level for many, many years. And these guys, are their form, if you watch these guys form on TV, it's, it's just very, very inconsistent. Uh, the good kickers are the guys you can quickly identify when you're watching a game. Dan Bailey, Goskowski, um, Harrison Butker for the Kansas City Chiefs. These guys have very good form. Kicking is very a very difficult skill to master. I don't care what what walk of life you're from. Everybody just says, "Oh, just go out there and kick the ball through the uprights." Well, it's, there's a lot of technical skill that goes into that. And watching these guys on TV, they're not being coached. Probably out of 32 teams, there might be four guys in the league, four teams in the league that have a designated kicking coach of somebody who truly is a former kicker, knows what they're doing, uh, and all that. And it's just it's it's glaring, and it's getting it's almost getting to be where it's you know it's 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 a very much detrimental to the team. You know, you got a lot of these teams that are Super Bowl contenders, i.e. the Vikings, that try to go with a young kicker. Well, you're going to have to make three or four kicks a year in games that either win the game, tie the game, uh, you know, all that stuff. That you you got to have a guy that's that, that can that can mentally handle it as well as physically do it when it's crunch time, when the pressure's at its peak, when no timeouts, when the weather's not always going to be sunny in '85, when it's it's going to be windy, it's going to be cold, it's going to be raining. You got to have a guy that can walk out there and make a 45 yard kick or a 38 yard kick or a 48 48 yard kick when you got to have it. So the kicking issues have been a big problem in the league and it's and it's so when you when you're watching the game, pay attention to the kicking cuz the kicking issues have become major problems in the last several years and hopefully teams will begin to address it and uh that's how uh that's how championship teams get won. 
and lost. Let's go to some surprises in the league, the NFL, the National Football League. One Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs. What a start to his career. Two games, 10 touchdown passes. Incredible. The Chiefs, nobody thought they were going to go to LA, the Los Angeles Chargers in week one and win, and then they turn around and go to Pittsburgh and score 42 more as Mahomes throws six touchdowns in Pittsburgh as they beat the Steelers 42-37. Mahomes, the second-year guy out of Texas Tech. Andy Reid traded up for this guy in the draft last year, traded Alex Smith in the offseason, looking to be a genius. Again, great weapons with Tyreek Hill. You got Kareem Hunt, you got Travis Kelsey, very good offensive mind in Andy Reid. So Patrick Mahomes off to a fantastic start. You got Ryan Fitzpatrick here in Tampa taking over for the suspended Jameis Winston. Two weeks, eight touchdown passes, incredible. Four touchdowns each week, beat New Orleans, come back home and beat Philadelphia pretty convincingly, convincingly in my opinion. First play of the game, he throws a 75-yard touchdown to Deshaun Jackson, incredible. You probably saw after post game, he comes out wearing Deshaun Jackson's jewelry and his and his uh, shirt. Pretty pretty funny, pretty funny post game press conference. If you haven't seen that, take a look. Big question is what's going to happen when Jameis Winston comes back after week three? Well, there's no way, and you know what, that Jameis Winston's getting his job back in week four. Uh, it's going to take at least two bad performances, in my opinion, to even consider a quarterback change. They got Pittsburgh coming on Monday night, which I think is going to be another opportunity to put up some offensive numbers. The Pittsburgh defense has been atrocious so far. So I got to feel it's going to be one of those situations where Jameis Winston is just going to have to sit back and wait. He may not get an opportunity this year. Who knows? This could be the 2018 version of Case Keenum. Case Keenum came out of nowhere last year, led Minnesota to a 13-3 record, deep playoff run, all that good stuff. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's a you know veteran in this league. He's a kind of guy that can do it. He's had flashes of brilliance over the years, and he's also had flashes where he's thrown four or five picks and has played very, very poorly. But he seems to be fitting very well in this offense, seems to be very comfortable with it with the receivers and the play calling. Big credit goes out to Todd Munkin, who's taken over the play calling duties in Tampa for, for, from Dirk Cutter. Dirk has done a good job in, in you know giving up those play calling duties, and Munkin's done a fantastic job calling plays. Getting everybody involved, Evans, Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard with a 75-yard touchdown. They got a consistent, decent running game. The offensive line's been very good. So major kudos to Dirk Cutter and the staff in Tampa. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to keep it up. Pittsburgh's disarray. If you watch the game Sunday against Kansas City, you saw some out an outburst by Antonio Brown on the sidelines. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell still holding out. They haven't won a game yet. The defense is a sieve. Lots of questions being directed to Mike Tomlin. Apparently, Antonio Brown didn't come to practice on Monday. So what's going to happen to him? If anything, is he going to get fined, suspended for part of the game? But it just seems like the the, the uh, dam is cracking a little bit in Pittsburgh, and Tomlin's very much of a loosey-goosey players coach, and that's probably not where they need to be right now. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. If they lose Monday night in Tampa, this season could spiral out of control quickly, and you could see definitely see a coaching change at the end of the year in Pittsburgh. Tomlin's been there a long time, and it could be one of those situations where it's just time for a fresh start and a fresh set of eyes. 
But uh, the, you know the Steelers are notorious for not changing head coaches. They're very they're very loyal and very uh, long term with their head coaching uh, decisions. I think they've had three head coaches in like fifty years. You know Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, now Mike Tomlin. But things are things are ra- unraveling. And if, if as much talent as Pittsburgh has on offense, for them not to be for them to be floundering is, is just probably going to be unacceptable if that if that continues. So. Major major league game Monday night in Tampa with Pittsburgh and desperation time for the Steelers. So we'll see how that how they respond. You got the Giants and the Seahawks. These two teams might have the most porous offensive lines I've ever seen. I and mean, if you watch these guys play, it's like a high school team trying to protect against the NFL against NFL players. I mean, it is incredible how poor these offensive linemen are for these two teams. Eli and Russell Wilson ain't got a chance. And you know, in in hell to 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 be productive long term with those offensive lines, you know, you got new staff in New York with Pat Shermer. You got a rebuild going on in Seattle after they've dismantled the the Legion of Boom. So it's lots and lots of issues in, in on those offensive lines. Seattle's never had a good offensive line for some reason with Russell. You know, as long as Russell Wilson's been there, so. It's just something they've not invested in, so it's it's coming back to roost. But it, it was pitiful if you watched those two games. The Florida team surprised the Jags, the Finns, and the Bucks all two and zero. Who'd have thunk that, huh? The Jaguars with a very emphatic victory against the Patriots. Blake Bortles lighting up the Patriots on sun, Sunday afternoon. Belichick put the ball in his hands, and Bortles beat him. And nothing else you can say. They. Uh, Got to give all the credit in the world to Bortles. He uh, was very consistent, very solid. No, no Leonard Fournette running the rock, but Blake Bortles four touchdown passes, and a and the defense was good enough against Tom Brady. The Patriots were a little, you know, a little uh, up and down on offense. Big outburst by Brady towards the team about middle of the second quarter about the lackadaisical effort. Made it interesting late in th- late in the third, early fourth. Had a chance to get within seven points midway through the fourth, but Brady was stripped on a strip sack, and that pretty much put the game away. Jacksonville off to a great two and zero start. It wouldn't. I would be very shocked if we don't see Jacksonville, New England again in the playoffs at some point. Uh, probably, probably in Jacksonville because home field advantage. Now that was that. That's the tiebreaker game. Obviously, they played during the regular season, so that'd be a tiebreaker. So that game could very well be in Jacksonville in the playoffs. The Finns with a big win going to New York and beating the Jets. Everybody was drinking the Kool-Aid on Sam Darnold, but you got to give Adam Gase and the Finns credit going up to the to MetLife and getting it done to go to two and zero. Very very under the radar two and zero. And obviously you got the Bucks t- taking care of the Eagles in Week Two, two and zero. So great start by those three teams. You got a couple other surprise teams. Denver's two and zero. You got the Bengals at two and zero. Uh, you have uh, the Rams that were expected to be very good at 2-0. So some surprise teams in the NFL off the hot starts, and you got a couple on the other end of the uh, other end of the barrel. You got the Giants 0-2. You got the Seahawks 0-2. You have the Steelers 0-1-1. So there's some very much desperation going on in the NFL this week with some of these winless teams. Because the stats and the statistics are just glaring for teams that don't win in their first three games, that the percentage to make the playoffs if you don't win out of the one of the first three is probably less than 10 to 12 percent. Teams that go 0 and 2, I think the percentage is around 12 percent to make the playoffs, and 0 and 3 is even worse. So 
this is desperation time for for the Owen for the winless teams in the NFL here in week three. The other big news in the NFL was the Josh Gordon trade trade from Cleveland to New England for a fifth round pick. It's just amazing how the Patriots you know, always get get an opportunity and they get these op, they, they they get these troubled players and guess what typically happens they they typically behave they typically do what they need to do and they become great players in New England. Randy Moss, Corey Dillon, some of these guys that over the years that the Patriots have, have uh, reclamation projects, they brought to town and turned them into championship players. I expect the same out of Josh Gordon. It'll, it's going to take him a couple weeks to learn some of the, the uh, a decent amount of the offense. But this guy's got game breaking ability. He's got he's a Pro Bowl player when he when he's when he's right. He's a physical freak. But the big thing with him obviously has been the weed. He likes to smoke the weed. So if he if he can you know and obviously that's an addiction. That's you know something he's had a lot of issues with over the years. But uh, if, if New England can keep him on the straight and narrow, that guy will be an eight to ten touchdown guy the last you know fourteen games of the season. Look for big things out of Josh Gordon with Gronk, Julian Edelman, and the, and the coaching staff there in New England designing plays for that guy. So a ter- terrific weapon if he can stay on the field. If not, he'll be gone. Belichick ain't afraid to trade for somebody and cut him. He don't care. So, all right, college football. Let's talk some college football. Got Alabama dominating last week at Ole Miss. You got Ohio State with a big win at TCU. You got LSU with a tremendous comeback at Auburn. Game-winning field goal in the last play of the game. Down 21-10, to middle-late third quarter in a very tough environment down there in Jordan-Hare. Terrific win for Ed Orgeron and the LSU Tigers. You got Wisconsin with an up, got upset at home. Very surprising. BYU comes to Madison and takes care of business. Again, another missed kick, late missed field goal by Wisconsin late in the game. Very makeable kick. And then you have the disaster that is the Florida State Seminoles. Willie Taggart, boy, oh boy. I would not want to be that guy flying back on that airplane back from Syracuse as they got dismantled by the Orangemen 30-7. to I mean, watching that game, it was, it was embarrassing. It was, it was a tactical mismatch. You know, Florida State has the better players, better athletes, but the coaching just seems not to be there. The scheme, it does not fit the personnel they have. Lots of criticism needs to be going Willie Taggart's way. I know it's for his first year there. I get all that, but you cannot go to Florida State with that kind of talent that you know Jimbo Fisher recruited. You cannot go to Florida State and be 1-2 and two and should be 0-3. The only game they won was a late – they, they won late versus Samford, but they've just been awful in ACC play against Virginia Tech and Syracuse. Just a lot of problems in Tallahassee. I don't know if it, I don't know how patient the the uh, the boosters and those kind of guys and athletics are going to be up there. But Willie Tiger's going to have a lot of they're going to have a long year in Tallahassee. Just not a lot of not a lot of uh, good execution. Doesn't look like the scheme fits the personnel. Doesn't look like the players are super interested in being there. So it'd be very interesting to see how that unfolds in Tallahassee, Alabama. Not much on their they got they got a big showdown game this week semi showdown on paper it sounds good against Texas A and M, the return of Jimbo Fisher to Tuscaloosa that'll be that'll be the storyline of that game obviously Fisher used to coach under Saban, uh, Fisher left Florida State for A and M, 
Two weeks ago, A&M took Clemson to the wire in College Station, so it'll be interesting to see how they re- respond playing on the road in Tuscaloosa. Again, look, look at the look, look, look at it. A&M's in the last three weeks have played the number one and the number two team in the country. They took Clemson to the wire, lost by two. So it'll be interesting to see how that how this game unfolds. Obviously, both guys know each other very well inside and out, but uh, very big number. Alabama's like a 27-point favorite, man. That is just unbelievable. But offensively, Alabama's just a machine. Tua Tagovailoa has been dominant at the quarterback position. I mean, just electric throwing the ball. I mean, just hitting guys in stride left and right. Everybody's open. He's hitting them. He, he, he's very accurate. Very good command of the offense. They are just a juggernaut. Alabama's never had an offense this good in, during the Saban era. They've always been dominant on defense, and they, they've got a very good defense. But this year, the offense is going to be what's going to win them a national championship if they do win it. Uh, big thing is you got to keep hit to a healthy. Um, and obviously, you got the you got the drama here, a little bit, little bit of drama with what, what, what Saban's going to do with Jalen Hurts. The red shirt for Jalen Hurts ends this week, so if he plays after this week, he loses his red shirt year. It'll be interesting to see how that how that unfolds here in Tuscaloosa. Is, he gonna, is Saban going to try to do right for the kid to preserve a year of eligibility, or is he going to burn his eligibility by playing him in garbage time or something like that? So um, those are the kind of the storylines in, in the college football world this this week. Uh, Urban Meyer's back on the sidelines and back at practice and all that good stuff at Ohio, at Ohio State. And out west, you got USC struggling. They took an L in Austin last week versus the Longhorns, so you got some kind of some concern out there at USC. Here, Georgia, you got Georgia rolling. You got the uh, you had some you had some games affected by the by the hurricane last weekend in the Carolinas. I hope a uh, shout out to all the people in the Carolinas. Hopefully, you've, uh, hopefully those of you that made it through the storm okay or uh, is doing are doing well. I know it's a tough time you guys are going through and hopefully uh, everybody's safe and, and not too much not too many issues that's going on but I, we're all thinking about you hang in there. It's gonna get better. I know it's tough now it's gonna get better but uh, hang in there. All right, let's talk some games of the week both both in college and pros. We're gonna give you some. We're gonna give you some tips and some some things to look for. We'll first talk the college action. First off, you got probably the game of the week is probably gonna be Alabama in Texas A&M in Tuscaloosa. Looks like Alabama is about a 27 point favorite. You know, obviously you have the again you have the Jimbo Saban uh, rematch feud, whatever you want to call it. In my opinion, I think obviously I think Alabama is going to win the game, but I I, I I see this game being no more than 17 points. I think AM is going to play well, and uh, you know I think it's going to be a little bit closer than the experts think. A couple other games we're going to talk about here in the, on the college schedule. You got let's find it here. You kind of got a little bit of a trap game here with Clemson going to Georgia Tech. Notoriously, Georgia Tech has given these tough, tough teams trouble because of the triple option. So it's be interesting to see how Clemson reacts playing on the road in Atlanta against the Ramblin' Wreck. I think Tech is down a little bit this year, but typically once or twice a year, Georgia Tech beats somebody that they're not supposed to beat, and that's always kind of a tricky game for Dabo going to Atlanta. So that'll be an interesting game. 
You got Notre Dame going to Wake Forest. That that could be an interesting game. Notre Dame's been struggling, but winning. Wake Forest has been a pretty decent team, but uh, Notre Dame's a seven point favorite there. I could see, I could definitely see Wake Forest possibly pulling a surprise. I think Notre Dame will win the game, but don't be surprised if that game goes down to the wire. Big game out on the West Coast is you have Stanford visiting Oregon out in Autzen Stadium. That's probably going to be for the for the Pac-12 uh, North. Uh, I think they're in the North uh, title. That'll be a big game out West. You got Florida going to Tennessee. That's uh, an annual battle. We're Flor- up in Neyland Stadium, up in Knoxville. That'll be interesting to see how that how that unfolds. You got Florida's about a four four and a half point favorite going to Tennessee. Tennessee new coach Jeremy Pruitt, new coach in Gainesville, obviously with Dan Mullen. Both teams still trying to find an identity at quarterback. Uh, I think both guys will do a good job there. So you got Nebraska going to Michigan. That's going to be an interesting one. Scott Frost, 0-2, start at Nebraska, going to see Harbaugh. Michigan's the better team. It's going to take Frost another year probably of recruiting to get the kind of guys he wants to do, like to have to replicate the success he had at Central Florida. But I think Scott Frost will do a great, he's going to do a really good job at Nebraska. Harbaugh's under some pressure at Michigan. No more room for error for them. They they after the Notre Dame loss, they've got a they've got to pretty much almost run the table. You got Ohio State on the schedule. You got Michigan State on the schedule. If they win the games, you'll see Michigan in the playoff. They got Shea Patterson, the transfer from Ole Miss at quarterback. That's I think Michigan's a team to look out for. That's going to just get better and better throughout the year as they uh, head into the big showdown games later in the season. Not a great slate at the college schedule, to be honest with you, um, this week. It's not, not not a big schedule, to be honest with you. So those are the three or four games I would probably deem as the big games of the week. Georgia going to Missouri. That, should, that, that ought to be comfortable for Georgia, even though Missouri does have a great quarterback and Drew Locke. So it'll be interesting to see how that game unfolds a little bit. I think I think Missouri will score a little bit, but Georgia will be just will be have too many players for them. And they'll outscore them. Uh, Georgia's been very, very impressive to start the season. So not a great slate of the college on the college scene this week. A little bit better on the NFL. Not not a great slate either in the NFL. We'll talk about three or four games of interest. You got Indianapolis going to Philadelphia. The return of Carson Wentz to to, to the to, at the helm for, for the Eagles. Much needed. Nick Foles was just playing very average at best for them. They were one and one, weren't scoring a lot of points. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how uh, Carson Wentz handles coming back from his knee injury. The Eagles are very depleted on the, on the offensive side of the ball. They lost a couple guys last week. They lost their left tackle. They're down a couple receivers. So it's going to be interesting how they how they you know try to piece together during the year. You got a pretty interesting game. Cincinnati going to Carolina. The Bengals off to a surprising 2-0 start. Carolina 1-1. Again, Interesting game there with Cam Newton and Andy Dalton. You got New Orleans going to Atlanta, another two one-and-one teams, NFC South uh, divisional battle there. That, that'll be a very good game. You got 0-2 teams, the Giants and the Houston Texans. Lots of expectations for Houston with Deshaun Watson back. They've been very disappointing through two weeks. So have the Giants with new, new coach Pat Shermer, new offensive scheme, Eli, Saquon Barkley, OBJ. So that'd be one of those two teams will be 0 and 3, which will be interesting. I think the uh, I think the Houston will get it done and, and beat the Giants. 
Um, Houston is a six-point favorite. I think they'll beat the Giants. Carolina is a three-point favorite against the Bengals. I like Carolina in that game. And you got Atlanta and New Orleans. Atlanta's a three-point favorite at home. I like Atlanta there. Um, again, you got John Gruden coming down to Miami to place the, face the 2-0 Dolphins. That'll be an interesting game. Uh, Gruden and the Raiders are 0-2. You got San Francisco going to Kansas City. That'll be that that could be a pretty decent game. You got uh, Jimmy G and Pat Mahomes. Should be a high-scoring affair there. You got the Battle of L.A., the Rams and the Chargers. Very good game. The Rams are off to a great start, both offensively and defensively. And obviously the Chargers have lots of high hopes for the Chargers this year. Phillip Rivers. So it'll be a Battle of L.A. They're playing in the L.A. Coliseum. The Venerable Coliseum. And then you got Sunday night, the, the Belichick-Matt Patricia Bowl in Detroit. The pencil versus the hoodie. The pencil in the hoodie. That'll be. I'm sure you'll see some of that on NBC. That they'll highlight that. I'm sure. So those guys on NBC. But um, New England goes to Detroit. Be very interesting. Detroit's 0 and 2. New England a six and a half point favorites. I would expect a much more buttoned down Patriots team this week. They were a little sloppy last week in Jacksonville. Very. Uh, undisciplined on offense, not not a whole lot of uh, not not a whole lot of rhythm. It, I, I would not be shocked if New England scored thirty five to thirty eight points this week in Detroit. Probably be a high scoring game because Detroit will score some points too with Stafford and company. In the coot, Jim Bob Cooter calling the plays up there in Detroit. The coot. So look for a high scoring game there. Uh, and Monday night might be might be the might be the most uh intriguing game of the weekend. Pittsburgh comes to Tampa to Raymond James Stadium to face the 2 and 0 Bucks. Pittsburgh in de- desperation mode, 0 1 and 1, lots of lots of off the field stuff surrounding Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Mike Tomlin, and you got the Bucks that, that are just flying high. The offense is humming, Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, whatever you want to call them is on fire. The offense is, is playing great. The defense is playing opportunistic, just good enough. The, the Bucks are depleted in the secondary, so I expect a, a high-scoring game there. But I think the Bucks can get it done. I really do. I think uh, Pittsburgh is, is is in trouble. I think you're I think you're going to see a, you know, 35-24, 35-27 kind of game in Tampa Monday night. So, I see the Bucks going 3 and 0, baby. Here we go, Bucks. Last thing we're going to talk about, we're just going to give you a little fantasy fantasy football advice for the week. Again, the high flyers early off in this early on in the season, the quarterback position: Patrick Mahomes, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Roethlisberger had a huge game last week, so some good matchups this week. And you know, my my advice: make some trades, wheel and deal, baby. Don't be afraid to wheel and deal, change your team up. My team's off to a fantastic start. I'm two and zero in both of my leagues. Uh, I I I I I was I was forecasted pretty well. I picked up Ryan Fitzpatrick in the in before the right after the draft. I really felt he was going to play well in the Bucks offense. He's my he's been playing for me the last two weeks. I've got uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger in one league. I just acquired Tom Brady. You know, so uh, I got a pretty I got a pretty damn good team to be quite honest with you. So. <laughs> Uh, so my guys in the fantasy, in the Magic City Fantasy Football League, 
Shout out to you guys, and in the, in the, also in the T Town Fantasy Football League. Shout out to you guys. As here comes Pewter Powers, baby. I'm here to dominate another year, brother. You gotta walk that aisle. Woo. Running back position: Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, off to fantastic starts. Great starts. Lots of you know those guys are impact players. The guys that are a little below the radar that have done fairly well in, through two weeks. Adrian Peterson's doing okay. Guy like that. Uh, you got a guy like for the uh, Alex Collins of your Baltimore Ravens. You know you got some injuries to deal with, so some uh, some guys are getting some opportunity. Tevin Tevin Coleman getting a great opportunity in Atlanta with Devontae Freeman out. You got uh, in Chicago. You got Jordan Howard doing pretty well. With the new offensive mind and Matt Nag and Matt Nagy there, so uh, wide receivers, a guy that's probably available in a lot of leagues or, or was available until last week is Deshaun Jackson off to a great start in Tampa. You got Mike Evans off to a great start. You got Julio Jones doing very well. You got the guys out in San Diego or L.A. Chargers doing well. The guys out in L.A. with the Rams are doing well. Again, Josh Gordon, potential sleeper two or three weeks down the road. So if he's available in your league, I definitely would recommend getting him. Or if you can try to make a trade for him at a low cost, I would do that. Because that guy is a difference maker, impact player. So uh, when that in that offense, if he can again, if he stays straight, he can stay out stay on the field. That guy will be a eight to ten touchdown guy for the Patriots, no doubt about it. Um, you got some guys in some kind of under the radar guys. Quincy Anunwa with the Jets is having a good 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 start to his season. You got Tyreek Hill in Kansas City, off to a great start with Mahomes, an attack offense. You got Juju Smith Schuster in Pittsburgh. Lots and lots of catches, a lot of yards. Obviously with the issues brewing with Antonio Brown, Schuster could be even become more of a more of a threat if something uh, were to unfold with Antonio Brown. James Conner at running back. Again, another productive week last week. Definitely, uh, if, you ain't, if you can get him, he's. I know he's not available on the waiver wire, but if you can make a trade for that guy, I think that guy's going to be if – you, if you got Le'Veon Bell, try to handcuff him with your insurance policy. He's a great insurance policy. A guy that I think is going to continue to get better and better. I think Peyton Barber is going to become a factor here pretty soon in the next couple weeks with the Bucks. Again, the offensive load, they're going to be playing the pass. They're going to be playing coverage. So the running, I think the running attack is going to be more and more available for the Buccaneers. You got an injury to Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. So Gio Bernard might be a guy to look at. Um, you know, a couple teams in the Green Bay, it's going to be interesting what the Packers do at running back. Their Aaron Jones is back for them after a brief suspension. San Francisco, what's going to go on out in San Francisco? Who knows? You know, a lot of a lot of throwing out there. Arizona's been they've been pitiful on offense. David Johnson's not, you know, if you protected David Johnson or drafted him early, you're getting killed on that. He's he, they're doing nothing. They need to make that quarterback change to Josh Rosen here any day now. I'm surprised they haven't done that yet. Uh, you got again Gurley in L.A. You have in the AFC. You don't have much. You know. New England's got doesn't have really a, a primary back. Miami doesn't have a primary back. Buffalo is pitiful. That's just a train wreck. Uh, with Buffalo, you got LaShawn McCoy's injured in Buffalo now. 
in the uh, you know obviously in Pittsburgh you got Connor you got Baltimore you got Cleveland's got a rotating door at running back um, AFC AFC South you got Tennessee Derrick Henry's kind of gotten off to a slow start a lot of touches for Deion Lewis here early Mariota was hurt last week they won the game even though Mariota didn't play which was a little surprising to me for sure so. Uh, be be savvy on the on the waiver wire. Be savvy trying to make trades. Running backs are at a premium in fantasy football. No matter what people say, if you don't have good running backs, it's going to be hard for you to win a championship long term. A lot more receivers are available and productive than you can find running backs. So definitely get you a couple, at least two good running backs. But if you can get accumulate three or four good running backs, you're going to have bye week issues, injuries, all that good stuff. You can never have enough running backs. So. Good luck in your fantasy leagues this, this week. Good luck with the uh, with your uh, games of, of interest to you as far as picking some games. Uh, look forward to having you. Again, we're going to be releasing our, ep- our episodes, try to release them every Thursday. So be on the lookout. Tell a friend. The Powers on Sports podcast is being brought to you by Five Star Athletics, Power Stories Theater, Sam Jenkins Designs. If you want to get a hold of Sam, Sam's the one who designed our logo, the Powers on Sports podcast logo. Get a hold of Sam at sljdesigns at aol.com. That's sljdesigns at aol.com. And also kickthefootball.com. It's my my uh, my website that I, that I uh, have. I work with high school kickers in the Tampa Bay area. So if you ever, you know, I work with kids all, I've worked with kids all over the country before. So if you've got somebody who's interested in kicking, learning how to kick or punt and need some instruction, definitely go to my website, kick the football spelled out, kick Easy to remember and have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Win a, win a chicken dinner for you, for us all this weekend. Have a great weekend.